how do we find exactly where that leak is? If it's a water leak or if it's drafts, right? To make sure that we protect the envelope of the building. And we've also brought that into the commercial side as well. And we do very similar type things uh, with water and air infiltration testing and, and consulting on how do you make your building correctly? Uh, what's the best way of installing a window? There's the way that's required. There's the way that you should do it. And then there's the way that if you do it this way, yeah, it's going to take you a little bit of extra time, but I can guarantee you, you're never going to get a callback for a window leak. Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Tools. On this week's episode, I am thrilled to introduce you to Curtis Mercer. Curtis is the president and CEO of KMP Contracting Limited. He's the president of Heatseal Limited and owner of LRM Consulting Solutions. I had the pleasure of working with Curtis on the board for the Canadian Home Builders Association. And I know just how incredibly knowledgeable and strategic Curtis is. So I was very excited to have him on the show and really provide a different perspective to building science and how he stood out in his local marketplace. So in this episode, we talk about how his company uses energy efficiency as their competitive advantage and also how he was bold enough and smart enough to spin that off into a consulting company where he teaches other builders the very same techniques that has made his contracting company successful. As well in this episode, we also talk about Curtis's involvement with the Canadian Home Builders Association and how it not only satisfied his personal interest and his passion for the industry, but it also allowed him to really stay ahead of the game and beat the competition. So Curtis has so much to share in this episode. It is golden and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. Let's dive right in. All right, Curtis, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Crystal. It's great to be here. Awesome. So I know that, you know, you did your business degree. You became the youngest town manager known in Newfoundland. You're working for the federal government. What attracted to you to the construction industry? How did you get here? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting, like, I guess, and my, my father still tells me, like, even when I was in high school and younger ages, you know, I started talking about what do you want to do uh, when you get older? And it was always, I never wanted to be tied to a desk. Mm. Uh, and that's kind of what led me when I did my business degree. I did specialization in small business and entrepreneurship. 
and I think one of the key things that came out of that degree in a couple of the courses were we were actually tasked with consulting with existing businesses and helping them either through marketing or accounting or whatever. Uh, and that really got it stayed with me. Obviously, after graduation, I had to find a job. I didn't have any great entrepreneurial uh, ideas at that point. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I went to work with the municipality and, and it was a great learning curve. Uh, it taught me a lot of different things that transform across industries. Um, it taught me how to, how to deal with people. I was front and center with the public uh, and issues that, whether it be snow clearing, garbage collection, permits, you know, you were there, taxes, uh, you had to deal with all of them. And probably one of the biggest things that got me in that role was uh, when I went to work there, and obviously, as you'd said, uh, as far as I know, still probably was in that job as the youngest in Newfoundland, was all of the staff that were now reporting to me had worked for the municipality longer than I was born. <laughs> so uh, that was a little bit of a different dynamic, but it really taught me on how to talk to and interact with different people, different age groups and those types of things, which really transforms over to contracting when you're doing client liaison. Um, so, yeah, then went on to the feds and thought that was going to be a great career. But, yeah, no, was really not tied to a desk. Couldn't stand it. Right. I always had great ideas, but this the system was too big to enact them or get anybody to actually hear. So it was just uh, not for me. So a number of years ago, uh, my wife's parents have uh, came P contracting. Well, they're part owners, uh, the P in the, in the contracting. And uh, they were looking at the possibility of retiring somewhere into the future. So uh, we were actually on a trip in Florida and, uh, and her dad, sat both of us down and we both have business degrees and said, uh, either one of you interested in coming on board and helping us out. She had grown up in the industry and knew mm -hmm. more about it than I did. You know, I always picked around with stuff myself, but, uh, uh, at the time, uh, she was pregnant and expecting a baby and didn't really work for her. And I said, yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Uh, probably wasn't the industry I thought for, but you know, and, uh, being around a family for a number of years, um, jumped at it. So I took a leave of absence from the federal government and said I'd try it out for a year. Went to work uh, first with the company and uh, learned a bit of the ropes on, on contracting and, and those types of things and started learning uh, the way that the company did business and what the strengths were. And after a year, decided to cut my ties with the federal government and became one of the partners in, in the company and kind of built myself up from there and, and took on as partnership as other companies and started my own consulting company. Uh, so that's kind of how I got there. It's a, it's a roundabout way, but it, it's a great industry. That's cool. Yeah. So you really bring like that strategic business approach to the company. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the company was always kind of two-sided, so there were two partners. Uh, so, Jack, who's my father-in-law, was generally the, you know, the office side of things, uh, more so because he was doing most of the plan design and those types of things, and ran the office. Uh, and his business partner was running the uh, the on-site side of things, kind of the site supervisor. Uh, so now, since basically the company has gone second generation, 
So now I mm. do all the business side of things. And uh, the partner's son, who is now very much my right hand, uh, runs all of our site supervision stuff and runs all of our on-site things. So we've kind of just taken it similarly and moved it ahead. Uh, roles have changed a little bit, just depending on what people's strengths and weaknesses are. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's cool. That's cool. And I know KMP contracting. I feel like it's really interesting how the company has differentiated itself in the local market. I guess tell us a little bit about how you've gone about doing that and how you use energy efficiency as your thing, really. Yeah. So uh, well. This year's 45 years for the business. Uh, and, you know, it, it 1976, we started uh, before my time. But, uh, uh, you know, right from the get-go, I guess Jack was probably one of the, I'll call him the forefathers of energy efficiency in Newfoundland and got involved a lot with national organizations and Intercan and how do we build better houses and training and these types of things. So really brought it into the company. Uh, and how do we do energy efficiency and how do we do energy efficiency so that it's better for the longevity of a house? How is it better for the builder? How can we do it not necessarily more expensive, but how do we make it more affordable? Uh, and really looking at cost benefits analysis and, you know, not just spending a dollar to save a dollar. You, If you spend a dollar, you want to save more than a dollar, right? So how do you really look at that? So throughout the years, we've been involved in every government program that's been involved. Uh, we built the first uh, R2000 house in the province in 1981. Uh, and those standards still stick today with our standard building practices. So uh we built uh, super e houses when they first came on we built one of the first inner guide houses uh in 2014 we built the first net zero ready house in newfoundland so we've always been kind of looking for what's that next step and how do we get out in front of uh the new up-and-coming energy features and and build just building better houses uh they're more comfortable they're more energy efficient uh you know indoor air quality is always a big thing And I think it goes back to a lot of Jack's training that he's done and he's traveled the world in being in China and Asia and Japan, teaching them how to build houses. Uh, And I've just kind of through osmosis taken all this in uh, and it's, I guess, now become my passion and, and what I try and strive for. And how do we look at these different things? It's it's not just about building houses. You're building homes. You want them to last. You want them to last for the family that's moving in, last when they sell it and it moves on to another family. So how do you make sure that the things behind the walls that nobody sees last, right? Right. Uh, and, and how do you cut down on uh, ear infiltration and water infiltration and just make the building better so that it's more comfortable and those types of things. So that's kind of really how we've tried to separate ourselves in, in being out there and looking at things a different way than I think most contractors do um, is, you know, how do we really do this and how do we do it efficiently? Sometimes we learn from our own mistakes and we, like when we started doing nets or our houses, we've probably done five different versions trying to find the one that's actually the best bang for your buck. And and now we do modeling on all our houses to make sure that we're spending money in the right place. Uh, it's not just, oh, this is what worked on the last house. 
you know, every house, the orientation is different. So you really need to take everything into account to make sure that you're, you're doing it correctly. So I think that's, that's one thing that puts us apart from, or where we like to think we're apart from, from most other builders. That's very cool. And I guess, you know, energy efficiency isn't like the sexiest concept on earth. How do you communicate that to your clients, I mean, you've even said it's what's between the walls, so not necessarily what they see. Yeah. So when we look at housing and a lot of times it's getting more and more relevant to people. Uh, and I, it's not necessarily the energy efficiency. It's the overall operating cost of your home. It's those hidden things that you don't think about when you're buying or building a house. Uh, so like when we're doing initial client meetings, we like to sit down and talk to them about, all right, it's, it's, you're not just looking at your budget and what your mortgage, what can you afford today? It's, you know, what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? Do you want all your money to be spent on your home or do you want something that can last through the years and, and decrease so your energy bills are less, you know, and, and that's where we do lifestyle cost analysis and, and our modeling on homes to show people, look, if you build it this way, here's going to be your upfront cost. And here's your estimated yearly spending on mechanicals or energy or any of those types of things. But if we can redirect some initial costs to X, Y, and Z, well, then here's the impact down the road. Now, you know, everybody wants their new home to be a big show product, but we're trying to focus now more on first-time home buyers and younger people. And basically what we're trying to show people through this analysis is, well, rather than getting that nice fancy granite countertop, that's probably going to cost you $10,000. Let's take half of that and put into energy efficiency. Now I can show you over the next three or four years how your operating cost is going to be less. You can save up that money and do your granite countertop in the future. Right. But your savings is going to go until you never live in the house anymore, right? So it's it's a little bit of building, a little bit of financial planning. It's kind of everything kind of tossed into one to kind of offer a bit of a package to our clients. So they're not just looking at the house and the finished product. What What's the paint and the flooring and the kitchen and those types of things. It's, you know, you're not just buying it for today. You're buying it for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And how do you, how do you tie that in and try and think about all these things? And there's a lot of homeowner aspects that nobody thinks about. It was only this week I had a previous client of mine came and, and you know, got stunned with he, he had to replace a, a pump in as well and had just never thought about it. It was not a cost that he had ever thought about because moved into the home, water worked. There was never, <laughs> oh, it, it was never one of these things where you think about maintenance or replacement costs. So, and that's kind of like where we've started. As we hear these stories, we kind of update what we tell people going into it and kind of say, all right, well, as we're doing our life cycle cost analysis on a house, well, maybe after five, 10 years, we need to add in a couple of thousand dollars in your maintenance costs because you might need to replace a pump or a hot water boiler or this or that. So people can kind of plan out into the future how to use their house and uh, and it's not just for today. Right. Yeah. So you're really painting that bigger picture of what your lifetime in this house going to look like. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, you know, that's what we try and do. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Everybody's <laughs> a little bit different. You know, it depends on the personality that you're dealing with. And, and it, you know, we're, we're not pushing energy efficiency. 
Um, a lot of times I like to see where the congregation, congregation, conversation goes <laughs> and, uh, and to see, you know, what are they thinking about? And if they bring in points, well, then I can tie it to energy efficiency without saying that word. Right. right? Like people are, uh, people often talk about the house they live in now or their, their family home. And, and if you look at like an aspect of, you know, we're always sat in the living room and, you know. My wife has always got her big sweater on because she sat in the front of the window. And well, prime opportunity to talk about triple glazed windows. Right. right? Yeah. So it's a comfort feature. If you don't want that, you know, this little add-on can cut down on that cold draft feeling. Right. And and it's not only cutting down on a draft, so you don't need to wear a big sweater all the time. It's the natural habit of when you feel cold, you crank up the heat. Yeah. It doesn't affect the fact that the glass is still cold, right. but it's just your natural thing. So if you can get rid of that cold feeling glass with a small thing of, even if you're just in your living room, replace that one window with a triple glaze because that's where you sit closest to the glass. It'll stop you from just going over and cranking up that thermostat. So it's something that's not really quantifiable. How much is that going to save you on energy? Right. But when you think about it, it's, it's something that's going to change your habits because of the way you feel in your home. I love that. Yeah. And you're really selling the benefit and what the customer actually wants rather than, you know, these are the features that we can include yeah. in your house. Yeah. When we, I guess when I started and really started trying to sell energy efficiency, it just didn't work. So it's how do you sell it without saying the words or, you know, so you're, you're talking about costs and operating costs and, you know, uh, benefits and comfort and, and these types of things. So, you know, you're still doing the exact same thing, but you're making people feel it rather than just talking, you know, green and energy and, and these types of things. It's You need to tell it to people where it hits their pocketbook or hits their, pulls on the heartstrings, those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And I guess as, you know, pioneers essentially in the energy efficiency space in your market, how has that led to other opportunities? So I know you've mentioned consulting. How did that come about and what are you doing? Yeah, so I guess through the energy efficiency and a lot to do with energy efficiency is with building science. Uh so it's a house as a home. You can't just look at one aspect. It's how that deals with another aspect and and how do we make all these things work together so and i guess it's one of the things that i started picking up from jack and, and getting into uh you know where we do our analysis on homes and we do modeling on homes and all this kind of stuff how do we move that into the future so then we started really looking at one of our other companies heat seal limited uh, Used to do a lot of stuff, insulation, and if people are having water problems, leaky windows, those types of things. So we kind of sat down one day and said, there's a lot of people out there that have these problems, but they don't know how to solve them. Uh, we have the expertise, we have the equipment. So when we started a consulting company, LRM Consulting Solutions, so basically what we do is look at options for people. If you have a leak in your home, the most obvious one is probably a window, but in most cases, it's not the actual window that's leaking. It could be the wall above the window, and it's just making its way inside the home. So you're not just spending a lot of time in fixing things and then two months later realizing, oh, I still got a leak. 
It's really how do we find exactly where that leak is? If it's a water leak or if it's drafts, right? To make sure that we protect the envelope of the building. And we've also brought that into the commercial side as well. And we do very similar type things uh, with water and air infiltration testing and, and consulting. And how do you make your building correctly? Uh, what's the best way of installing a window? There's the way that's required. There's the way that you should do it. And then there's the way that if you do it this way, yeah, it's going to take you a little bit of extra time. But I can guarantee you, you're never going to get a callback for a window leak, right? So it's really sitting down and teaching people the up and coming ways and, and what we've learned through our experience and taking that to to teach other people how things should be done. Uh, and especially if we find a problem, well, how do we make sure that this problem doesn't happen again in the future on a, on a future build or the next type? So, you know, we offer those services for builders, commercial, residential, or even just the homeowner themselves. You know, if they have problems, uh, we've we've done sites where, you know, people have come in and, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this, and replace windows and replace shingles and replace things. And I've spent $5,000 and still have a leak when... Our goal is, okay, well, for a little bit of cost, we can guarantee that we're going to find exactly where the problem is, and then you fix the problem. You don't try and, you know, fix a bunch of things hoping it's going to do it, right? You actually need to find what the problem is and fix it and and, and give a good solution. So, that, you know, that's uh, something that we've kind of, it, it's a side thing, but it's something that really helps us both in KMP and, and helps other builders as well. So. Yeah. And I guess, you know, being in a small marketplace like Newfoundland, do you ever worry that you're giving away your trade secrets? No, in a lot of cases are what I'll call our trade secrets in, in how we build houses and how we achieve energy efficiency at a, I guess, a reduced rate or if, if cost effectively. Uh, has been one of our our, our our big staples. We're able to do it. We're able to do it for not much more than the average person is building a typical standard house. Uh, so, but one of the things that we've always focused on or received as feedback from clients or potential clients is, well, if everything that you're telling me is so good, why is nobody else doing it? Right? Uh, and why are you building this way when everybody else is building this way? And you try and explain it to people, but people are very, you know, it's a marketing thing. And people think that I'm just trying to sell them something because I'm different than everybody else. Yeah. So as we teach other builders how to do it, it the more people we can get talking about these advanced framing techniques or different insulation and different techniques of insulating and ear sealing, the more popular it becomes with clients and future clients so that it's widely accepted. The big thing that we have is we have the 45 years of experience behind us that everybody else still has to learn it. So our yeah. cost can still be less. So I can still be cost competitive. It's just I'm getting more people to try and market my services and eventually theirs as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but by them talking about it, you know, it, it opens up the marketplace for people to understand better what it is that we're talking about. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's that bigger, long-term, like educating the whole market, both customers and contractors. And even if those contractors start doing everything that you do, they still don't have that experience. They're still not you. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and it's the reputation and what you've done, the things that you can show and recorded evidence of what we've done. And, you know, we've, we've done some, I guess, some somewhat silly things over the years just to kind of prove like in houses. Well, I guess that first R2000 house we built in, uh, in St. John's in 1981. When the electrical was done in that house, we actually installed a second and third electrical meter on the panel so that we can actually track different portions of the electrical without going to Newfoundland Power. Back then, there was no digital thing. So we literally right. put meters on inside the house. So the homeowner could see when the hot water tank turns on, oh, my meter is spinning more. How can I, you know, what do I do to reduce this? And where's my loads coming from? Now there's, you know, digital technologies and these types of things, which makes that a whole lot easier. So we install some of this stuff on some of our houses just to prove that our modeling that we do before the build is actually to the point, to the point where we're able to, uh, in most cases, our modeling numbers and our operating costs that we're showing to people within the first two years of home ownership. We're within 5% accuracy of our modeling numbers. So when we can show people that, it's we're not just making it up. Look, it's, right. we have proven facts that here's what will actually happen when we tell you. Now, obviously, there's some homeowner things that if you crank the heat up and open a window, there's not much I can do about that. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, you know, it's when we're making recommendations, we're making them to, to give you a better home. Absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. So, you know, Curtis, we met through our local Canadian Home Builders Association. You were super involved, president, now past president, even interim CEO at one point. And now, you know, you're serving at the national level. What drives you to be so involved in the industry? Well, you know, I guess it goes back to first when I got in the industry, uh, didn't know a lot about new home construction. Uh, new to business aspects of things, but didn't really know the construction side. Didn't know the other players in the industry. Who was I competing against? What were their practices? What, you know? So I was looking at ways that how do I learn this? How do I learn the industry? Learn who the players are, who the key things are, and keep up to date and really get my mind up to speed on where I need to be. And, you know, it, it's hard to do a sales pitch to a client if you don't really know what everybody else is saying and you don't know. So I got involved uh, with the Home Builders Association, uh, just started attending some luncheons and, and you know, getting to know some people uh, and may shock some people. I was really shy back then. Um, <laughs> and uh, But, yeah, from there, uh, I, I got in contact with a couple of, I guess, key builders uh, who kind of took me under their wing and, you know, taught me some ropes and introduced me to some people and some different sub trades. And, you know, we just have some informal chats on, you know, well, you know, what's the average price you're paying for this? Because I got this guy over here who's charging me. Eh, that seems a little bit out to lunch. So, you know, and, and learning from, from the others that have been in the industry longer. 
now, obviously, my business partners have been in the industry for a long time, but I wanted different perspectives, not just from within the business. So in becoming involved with the association and knowing the people, then, you know, I guess I stepped in and, and ran for the board because I seen what the association was doing and what it was trying to do for the industry. It's a struggle. Like most of our builds are outside of the major municipalities and there's no inspection process. So one of the key things that's been, I guess, my gripe is I'm competing against people who aren't building the same quality and to the same aspects. We're building to the National Building Code, uh, but there's no inspections to prove it. But my competitors in my area are not building to the same and maybe building to a building code that's five years old uh, and not to the up-to-date one. And so cost comparisons are th getting thrown off. Why is my house pricing a little bit different? So trying to, one, fight uh, for a more level playing field in the industry and, and working with the association and, and getting that passion, I guess, that I've gotten and keep me going with is – you know, there's a lot of things out there that I see that people aren't doing the same and it's impacting the business. It's impacting the industry. It's giving the industry a bad name because we have people who aren't offering warranties, aren't offering written contracts, you know, simple things like that, that then you become the big, bad, dirty contractor and everybody's painted with the same brush, even though you're trying to operate a legitimate business but there's no way to prove your legitimacy except for word of mouth. Basically when somebody has a good experience, you hope that they share it. Uh, so that's a lot what the association and my involvement has been trying to push that, roll that ball forward and, and, you know, really outline where the industry needs to go and, and what should we be doing? What should, what does it mean to be a member and how does hopefully that, jive with what consumers are looking for you know it, it's lowest price is not always the best product when you're talking you know in most cases your home either be a major renovation or a new home it's probably the most money you're going to spend in, in your life mm -hmm. and you want it to be good money and you want something good that's going to last uh so you know trying to work with that and 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 go through the association that's really what the association is there for it's the voice of what i'll call the voice of the legitimate industry yeah. uh and trying to get over and above the underground economy and and these types of things um and then like you said like my involvement with national started with uh just sitting on some committees nationally and then moving up and seeing a lot of our industry and the way that our local industry and our building codes are driven by national and then they're passed down to the province. So in our case, the province passes to the municipality, the municipality just passes it on to whoever pulls the building permit. Right. Uh, and, but then seeing what national does and their impact on uh, like, for example, in building codes. Okay. Well, having that input into building codes on, Yes, you want homes to be safe, but you need them to be affordable. So it's a lot of things and back and forth on, well, if you change this in code, what's the impact going to be on the cost of an average house? Our market 
is much different than the markets in other parts of Canada. So, you know, my thought has been, well, it, you know, take the voice of here and hopefully through the National Association, bring it forward and talk with people across the country. One, it gets you a huge network of builders, uh, contractors, subcontractors that you can kind of bounce ideas off. We're generally, you know, years behind the rest of the country when it comes to design and these types of things. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get an idea of what's coming down the pipe so you can get ready for it. Even on the energy efficiency side, what's what's the newest trends that people are going with and how do we bring that here and, and those types of things. But it's like I said, nationally, you're looking at how do we impact that so that our market where we're building different houses, we're at a different price point. The impact of a, cha a small change in national building comes going to have a huge impact on us here where, you know, a thousand dollar increase is not going to impact that multimillion dollar house that's being built in B.C. Right. right. So, you know, that's kind of always been my thing is how can I get the voice uh it, it's i find chba is a great benefit to me to my company but a lot of it is my passion for the industry and how do i help the whole industry and like we talked about before with you know my consulting and i, I want to help other builders so my involvement in the industry is trying to help build the industry from a national level provincial level local to to get it to a place where you know, legitimate contractors can offer services at competitive prices that gives a good product to homeowners. And we can hopefully negate some of this negative negativity that's out there because of people who are doing underhanded things. They're, they're you know, they're basically just cash grabs. And unfortunately, we all get painted with that brush. So how do we get rid of that? That's kind of, I guess, one of my behind the scenes life goals is to try to try and fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Curtis, I think listening to you, not only share how you've built your expertise and also how you're sharing that with other contractors, but also I think my major takeaway from this is that you need to be proactively building your reputation. So for any contractor who's listening to this, what's some advice that you would give them about building a good reputation? Uh, the, the biggest thing I think about building a good reputation is your clients. It's 100% your clients. Uh, and you need to service your clients and provide what you promise to provide. There's obviously always going to be clients who you can't 100% please uh and a lot of times it just comes down from a difference of, of contracts but uh or interpretation of contracts in my opinion but uh you know you really need to live up to your word do what you're gonna do and if you can do that and keep your clients somewhat happy and, and give them a home that might not uh, be their forever home but while they're in it you know, they're happy to be there, right? So it's it's getting rid of those problems and it, it's getting rid of the negativity of building a house. Like I always say to my clients at, during our first meeting, I say, if we build a house, we're going to have arguments. But my goal is when you move in and I give you the keys, you're going to be happy and I'm going to be happy and we can go from there. Building a house is very stressful. So even that one little thing of telling them up front, 
We're going to have an argument. I can pretty much <laughs> guarantee it. Something is going to happen throughout the build. Something's going to be delayed. It's not going to be my fault. It might be my fault. I don't know. Right? It might be something completely out of my control, but I'm the face of it. I'm the one who's going to get blamed. And I'm okay with that. But we need to work past it. So when you move in, you're happy. When you have a problem, we'll fix it. Or we'll try and get you in touch with whoever can fix it. Right? And it's being very upfront and honest about what you're providing. If you have a warranty, just explain it. Is it a one-year, two-year, three-year warranty? What's covered? So that people aren't given a negative thing when something goes sideways. They know up front what to expect and how things are going to work out. And I, 100% honest, I'm learning from my own mistakes. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I've done some things, learned and said, mm, better not do that again. Better change the way that I interact with clients or, or what we do or how do I deal with this specific situation, right? So uh, that's a big thing is, you know, just try and build your reputation and keep it. Because once it's gone, it is very, very difficult to try and get it back, right? And, you know, as, as a marketing thing, everybody says, you know, one bad comment is way worse than 100 good comments. Because people generally look for the bad one, and that's what they dwell on, right? So uh, I guess, yeah, it's keep your clients forefront because they are who you're building for. It's not like you're building trinkets yeah. and you're selling that. It, it's low volume, high dollars, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stress involved for everybody. So you just need to keep that in the back of your mind. And uh, I guess one of the things that uh, taught me and – I keep looking back on, I can't remember who it told me. When I built my house, I wasn't involved in the industry. Uh, and I got frustrated several times. But someone once told me, you need to put yourself in the client's shoes. So I go back to when I built my house and the dealings with the contractor and, and those types of things and say, hmm, all right, how could I have dealt with me better Right. if I was the contractor? Yeah. Right? Because it's it's very similar in everything, so that's uh, that's probably one of the big things that I've learned and, and would say to anybody. You know, you, you need to spend the time and, and deal with your clients and uh, and keep them. Yeah, at the end of the day, you're you're in the people business, so it, it is the people business, right? It's most businesses are the same. What you do at the end of the day, but without people, you're not going to sell anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Curtis, this has been so helpful. I think you've shared so much value with us today. And I know some of our listeners are going to want to connect with you. So what's the best way that they can find more about you? Yeah, so uh, me, be it through any any of our companies, uh, the consulting, installation, or home building, uh, easiest way is my uh, KMP email. It's curtis at kp.nf.ca. Our website is www.kp.nf.ca uh, or reach me on myself, 770-7492. There you go. Keeping it easy. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Curtis. I really appreciate you being on the show. And thanks, Crystal. It's been a blast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. 
And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.